Okay, well, so welcome everybody. My name's Karen Westwiley. I'm the Chief Executive of Barking Enterprise Centre. Um, this is all really new to me. I've just got my head around Zoom and Teams, um, and now the team that are behind us in digital marketing and strategy. So we now have to start using Zencaster um, and do podcasts. So um, I think this is the second one that we've done, but the first time they've left me home alone with the technology. Um, so it's Global Entrepreneurship Week. November the 16th to the 20th and uh, so the Beck is out to support as many local businesses as we can um, and it came to our minds that we were thinking about some of the industries that have been most badly affected by COVID and the impact of, uh, of the recession and the global recession um, and we wanted to chat to some of the businesses that we work with. So without further ado, I'm going to let them introduce themselves and then we're going to have a good chat about kind of hopes and aspirations um, as well as the impact of COVID. So over to you, Madge. Hiya. So my name's Majida Birch. I'm one half of Brennan and Birch. We're a creative partnership. We're interior, so our main product is an illustrated wallpaper. We also do art prints and art posters. And we've been working with the Beck for quite a few years. They've been mentoring and advising them. Okay, so I am Joelle May David and I run Bluebird Pictures. So I'm a writer, director and producer. Um, Bluebird Pictures was founded to create content, um, but we also run the World Cinema Film Festival every year as well. So my name is Kemi Oloide and I run the Soul London project. Um, we've been going now for about six years. I'm based in Barking and Dagenham um, in the creative quarters. And what we love to do best is um, a lot of um, ethical fashion. But we've evolved from that over the past uh, one year into something quite interesting, which hopefully I'll get to talk about more. But uh, in my real life, I, I do a lot of teaching, sewing and upcycling and teaching children and adults sustainable fashion. So New Year's Eve 2019, um, I think I was like a lot of people in that 2020 was going to be a huge year for me. Um, I had just finished directing, producing and writing a short film that when I was filming it, um, I felt like it was something special. And I felt I filmed that in December. So I was really going into January on quite a high. Um, I knew that I wanted to film more. I wanted to write more. I wanted to create more content with my production company that was more narrative focused and less documentary. Um, and the aim for 2020 was to really um, push for that, you know, um, more funding, more kind of our own ideas. Um, and then the, the other thing was we run a festival. So the World Cinema Film Festival for 2020 was going to be um, quite different in that I had decided at the end of 2019 that 2020 edition of the festival would not only take place in London but in Los Angeles as well. We had already partnered with an organisation out there um, and we were really just about to get ready promoting submissions um, and kind of yeah really going for it on a world stage. So 
yeah, we had a lot of things um, for 2020 in terms of business. Also, personally, stuff like I went to buy a house and all these kind of things. 2020 was definitely supposed to be the year in many ways. I know. And we were going to hold the launch of your World Cinema Festival yeah. at my new building, which is still empty. Exactly. Um, and 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 still a construction project. How about you, Kemi? What were you what were you thinking on New Year's Eve that was going to be your year for 2020? Well, New Year's Eve 2019, I was looking forward to moving out of my studio. I was also looking forward to being able to take the business to the next level um, as a social enterprise and basically all the things that I wanted to do within the community to upscale what I was doing. Um, and that really was where I was in, in uh, 2019. My aspiration for 2020, um, as explained, was to take the business to another level, uh, to move out of my studio, to be able to actually get people to work for me, to employ people, um, to work with young people and adults within the community that might be at risk of being out of education. Um, and uh, one of the, the amazing projects that started this year in the borough, the Kickstarter project would have been perfect. But um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, hopefully in, um, in 2020, we'll be able to take that forward. But um, where it says, what did you hope to achieve? Um, I hope to basically achieve employment opportunities for local young people. Fantastic. So Madge, what were you thinking about New Year's Eve last year for your aspirations that, that kind of didn't quite get there or did get there or changed? Well, some of the things would be just what we'd normally do. So we were considering trade shows we might like to attend, thinking about face-to-face -face meetings, other ways to generate more wholesale trade for the wallpapers and the art prints. We also had big plans for an art book and we were in the middle of applying for Arts Council funding. So we were quite busy with all of that and we were just thinking it was going to be an everyday year and just looking to grow the business really. Mm. Yeah and then of course obviously in late January and February I don't know if you're the same as me I kind of had the radio on or I listened to watch the news and we started to hear about this coronavirus and um, I guess I thought it was terrible and kind of shocking but um, I hadn't really um, thought about the impact at all because we didn't have it here allegedly at, at that time but so what did you think the impact was going to be for your business uh, any of you did you even think about it I certainly didn't I just thought it was a terrible shame and how sad I thought the impact for my business was going to be immense because a lot of what I do is face to face but I'm quite a positive person and realized that I had to adapt the business very quickly and I started to look at how I could take my business online. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm in the process of doing that now. And um, I have done a few of my programs that I would have done. I've started to take them online anyway, as it is. So mm. I, I think um, one as a business cannot stagnate and stay in one position. Mm. It has to be fluid. You've got to be able to adapt and move with the times. Brilliant. How about Joelle and Madge? How was how how did do you think it was going to have a major impact back in January or February, if you can think that far, far back? I mean, in terms of my business, I think the thing about running a small business and especially being in arts and culture is you're so used to setbacks um, and you're so used to kind of um, like, like 
like going against the grain or an uphill battle. So you, I, th- I almost feel like those types of small businesses um, would find ways to adapt, which is what we did. We found a way to kind of get the festival, for example, online. I think like mm. with Kemi, however, a lot of filming, of course, is face to face. So we had to wait for a lot, lot of government guidelines and we actually had to see how the wider industry, the bigger film industry, were at, was actually handling the crisis. Were they filming anything? If they wasn't filming anything, we we kind of needed to wait for official guidelines to come out, which has only really happened in the last couple of months. So in that time, what do you do instead? You write, mm. you develop new ideas, you kind of adapt stuff to be online. A festival went online and did really well. And going forward, it's probably something we're going to take with us um every year now like a hybrid festival an online package and an in-person package so I think it was just about adapting but adapting as quick as possible um as much as there was lots of terrible things happening in the world which um you know did affect us on an emotional level and and you know people you know um were not too far away from kind of thinking about about those people in in say Italy at the time where it seemed to be in January and February um you always knew someone who knew someone um that was being affected by it even at that time so yeah it was about adapting for for me how about you Madge thanks Joelle how about you Madge I think I was quite blase I think I just thought it was like bird flu or Ebola and it would just be a bit of scaremongering who wouldn't really come to the UK or wouldn't touch us and then my mum lives in Spain and I've got family in Italy. So, yes, I was aware of what was going on in the other countries. I was kind of thinking, well, they've gone into lockdown, but we don't seem to be that bothered here. So I was aware of it, but at that time I was just kind of waiting to see what was going to happen, I think. Yeah. I mean, by March, we were suddenly realised this this all got really serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and for most of us, our businesses had to close their doors um, for lockdown. Certainly that last day, I'll never forget March the 23rd this year. It was like, I'm I'm disappointed, Joel, you didn't have your cameras here because it was like a scene from (laughs) Um, There were people running down the road with pot plants and printers under their arms (laughs) to get home and and, and stuff. It was, was, when I look back on it now, it was very, very sort of, so much we were in shock and you're trying to make plans, but it it would make a a great comedy (laughs) now, seeing the amount of stuff that people were, you know, one woman came back because she'd forgotten her, her, a pot plant and said it'd be dead by the time lockdown was over oh so um so it's quite you know quite serious but kind of how did, did did lockdown affect your business in businesses in a different way to kind of the start of the year yeah I mean I think the, the when lockdown was kind of inevitable um I remember we had just we had me and my boyfriend had actually just bought a house so we didn't know if we were had anywhere to live at that time so we didn't know if they were going to let us move you know, people were still being quite blase about it still. Um, so we didn't know. So the person we were buying the house off didn't want to sign the papers till the week after. Now, this is on like the 22nd of March or something. And lockdown happened the 23rd. But they didn't want to sign nothing till the week after. But luckily, we convinced them to. Otherwise, it would have been months and months and months and months later that we would have got into the house. So we had that stress. I think, mm. I think on that same day I think we came and picked up my desktop from 
the back and we just thought like we might as well take it home and see what happens in my mind I was thinking I'll bring it back in a couple of weeks time um, and it's actually still in front of me I'm actually using it right now so it's just been yeah March March was strange March was strange it's everything felt very tense and March was also the month that I decided to put the festival online I didn't want to risk selling tickets or anything for an in-person event and then having to keep changing the day and I was kind of watching what the rest of the industry was doing with film festivals and some completely cancelled theirs some moved theirs to the end of the year but I didn't want to move mine to the end of the year because it still might not have happened which it 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 as you can see it's not happening so we just did it online and thought we've got to do it anyway and learn from it for next year yeah yeah that's right how about you Keme did did kind of lockdown affect you in a different way it did affect my business a lot um as explained but um like I said I'm quite positive so I look for all the things that I could do in the meantime if there were outstanding pieces of work that I had outstanding, I, I tried to finish up all those uh, pieces of work, especially knowing that nobody could come to the studio. Um, but then um, one good thing that did happen, well, not positively, but was um, people needed face masks. So I was able to just work quietly from my studio in isolation, um, creating these face masks. But also I volunteered um, at a food bank and also I did a lot of work um, for um, making medical scrubs for King George and Queen's Hospital for the NHS through a group called For the Love of Scrubs mm. which was fantastic at least I felt I was doing my part um, as a social entrepreneur and giving back so that kept me quite sane throughout that time. Yeah, you were definitely part of the war effort Kemi well, we saw on Facebook the scrubs and stuff how about you Madge? Oh, it was. We work from home, so there wasn't a massive kind of panic to take anything home or anything like that. But we we felt it was a bit distasteful trying to do business when people were dying around us. So for a while, we kind of focused on the research of the book for that kind of idea. Um, that was also thrown off track because the national lottery funding was stopped. We were in the middle of a bid. We have a three-week decision period. Sorry, six weeks rather, and we were a few weeks into it, I think, and it just pulled the plug on the whole fund. So we knew then that all of our plans for the programme, we had kind of quite strict timeline, and we knew that was all going to get thrown off immediately as soon as that happened. We also kind of focused on helping other businesses, because we network with quite a lot of other people, and we've got a lot of creative people that we sort of help out, and we sort of help them um, try to remain positive, and obviously we looked at our cash flow and making sure we tightened our belts financially, and also any other businesses we were sort of speaking to, because we've been through downturns before, kind of like get paid you know check the contracts just look into what you can do to protect yourself brilliant and i guess i'm always in in awe of creative businesses um i'm quite creative um in ideas and stuff but i you know i can't draw I, i've had to go at sewing as kemi will know um and you know uh, I, I couldn't make a film if it paid me um so um, but I'm always kind of really in awe of creative people and I've cared an arts organisation now for nearly 15 years and I kind of am always fascinated about what motivates you to just keep going. Um, 
I think it's like having that autonomy over your work. Um, when you're working for someone else, you, you've always still got a kind of hit goalpost from, set from someone else. But when you're working for yourself, especially when it's creative, it's all you. And as we know, art at the very best of times is, is subjective. So I think like for me, it's just, it brings me a lot of peace to work on my own ideas. Um, and in times of real kind of it's not not that you look for them but in times of real kind of uh, fear or worry or trauma sometimes creative people can create beautiful things from that so that kind of keeps you going that every everything in your life is an opportunity to grow from it even if it doesn't feel like it at the time Um, so even when I knew I couldn't get on set and film I couldn't you know be face-to-face with people you just kind of steer your creativity into another direction so what could I do from home I could write I could develop ideas um stuff like that so I think the best thing for creatives is that any successful creative is kind of adaptable because they've just learned to be yeah great how about Kemi and Madge what how about you what motivates you to just keep going what kept me going was my positivity and my belief that this cannot continue forever and hopefully not it won't um and i think in the thread or the timeline of of humanity there's always been one little blip on the timeline that has disrupted people's activities this is not the first time there's been a pandemic it's just that it's so obvious now because we live in it and because it's something that's been recorded in time in history but um what kept me motivated is my family my faith and also that um I look forward to next year as that hopefully all this would have gone away and there'll be change and all the things that I do want to do and the things that I've achieved this year I can take forward and go further with it right that's brilliant how about you Madge I mean we spoke we spoke a lot during lockdown. The Beck ran a series of workshops for kind of businesses and things, and Madge was there every week. Um, and so, you know, we have quite a connection with Brennan and Birch and, um, and uh, who have always been great supporters of what we do at the Beck, as, as, as all you guys are. So what motivated you? Because you were, as well, Madge, you'd got little ones at home, I remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I really um, wanted... I- took up all the offers of support from trusted partners like yourselves and some other people that we work with in terms of mentoring and upskilling ourselves that was a big part of it and kind of reaching out to people but also like we've been in business for 20 years now so you learn to roll with the punches we've been through recessions lose the shop wholesale trade crashing trade shows moving from order right into just marketing we're kind of used to things going wrong so we just kept going and looked for the positive in the situation and as you said, with the kids, yeah, they, they needed role models, my children. So it's important to have a strong family unit and to keep a routine going because there was no school. So when all the fun things were gone, so really walks in the park and Joe Wicks was like daily regime and school time. <laughs> Gets all that going. But also in terms of creativity, we we were just starting to build a creative network called Yay Mates, which we're doing with No Collective and Fluid Skies locally. And so we were, we were kind of planning that behind the scenes which eventually did develop into one face-to-face meeting and it's now back online. But 
we were kind of working out what would help artists locally and what would we like to see and trying to build what we needed for ourselves. Fantastic. I mean, I'm not going to use the word post-COVID because I keep hearing this phrase post-COVID and I just think we're in our second lockdown. OK, it's not as, as not as difficult as the first one. We're all a bit more used to it and a, and a few more things are a bit more organised. I've still got my delivery from Sainsbury's, thank the Lord. Um, and um, and But I, I just don't think we are in a post-COVID world. I'd be interested to, to hear what you guys think. But I guess for us at the Beck, I've been thinking about what are we doing now that we didn't do previously. I guess one of the one of the big things that has, has, has come to me is the amount of time and effort over the last four years I have spent in travelling to meetings that could have been done online. I just I, I can't get back. I must have it must it must add up to more than a year. So I mean my big thing is is what I'm going to do now that I didn't do previously. It's always check beyond COVID and the future is can we do this over Zoom or Teams or whatever platform rather than an hour and a half travel for 45 minutes and an hour and a half back. Um, so that's my my kind of thing is about time management and kind of does this need to be. And I, and I think the weird thing for the Beck is we have built much stronger relationships with people online than we ever have face to face um, because we've had this, I called it the war effort earlier, but we've had this team spirit about the Beck is here to support people and our partners and kind of we all need to pull together in, this, in one direction. So what are you going to do now that you didn't do previously, Joelle? I mean, I totally agree with you with the meetings and stuff like that because I, I think about some of the meetings I have this week that you wouldn't have been able to schedule all in the same day otherwise um although I can't I can't be on zoom too long because when I was uh teaching I was teaching during lockdown um college students and that was literally on zoom all day so I have a love hate relationship with online platforms at the moment um but mostly I think it's about um I think digitizing things as much as possible and I always talk about accessibility to the arts and culture and especially film um and stuff like that so I think going forward a lot of what I want to do is to can is to start because I'm not a teacher anymore I still want to continue to like mentor young people because I know it's one of the questions coming up but I just think there's so much anxiety around arts and culture right now and um that's definitely something that maybe I wouldn't have put as much focus on before covid although it was still always on my radar and always something I was passionate about but now I think that it's giving me food for thought in other ways that we can make uh film certainly more accessible like I've during lockdown I saw people created films on zoom and they've gone on to be big hits and and stuff like that um and we've probably all watched so much Netflix and Amazon and stuff like that and we have to find a way to keep the industry going because we definitely all need some escapism absolutely absolutely how about you Madge and Kemi so what I was not doing before I was not a huge fan of tech and social media 
but I've had to embrace it. I've had to adapt with it. And um, I'm, I'm coming around to the idea that I do like it. Um, and uh, one of the amazing <laughs> projects I did this year was an online documentary film um, in celebration for Black History Month. And it was a resounding success. And again, it was something that I adapted to and I embraced it totally social media and, and, and tech. So that was something really positive that came out of um, this particular situation in terms of COVID-19. But also I've, I've learned to um, take a situation and realize that there can be some problems that can be solved here. And that's what I was looking at, how I can problem solve. And through it, I've been able to make some amazing networks and uh, contacts and um, some tied down some very good business um, um, opportunities for this year and next year. And these are not just verbally saying these are, are, are business ideas that are setting gold. So they are definitely going to go ahead for next year. How about you, Madge? So we've been getting out of our comfort zone a bit. So reaching out to artists we admire as part of the art book also um, going on on the radio for our artist open court and by saying yes to opportunities that are taking part in this today. Um, also, we've been concentrating on quality connections through word of mouth and online networking and using our capsule customer relationship management software to kind of nurture those relationships and let them grow organically. So not pushing things, but keeping in touch with people with like soft touch, shall we say. And in terms of online meetings, like, like all of you have to adapt to that, but we I think within a, about a week of it happening, um, I worked with the social media company, 24 Fingers. I was quite aware of how, how they work. With um, so I took up all their sort of marketing recommendations. And one of the things they do is they use Calendly for their bookings. So I immediately set up Calendly bookings linked to my Zoom accounts. So it's really, really easy for a customer or a collaborator to ask them something that's time that suits them. Great. Okay. So... Um... I can't believe this, but it's only seven weeks to the end of the year. Um, and um, it doesn't look like any of this is going away like we hoped it would. Um, how are you going to all rise to the, the, the new challenges that are being presented? What, what are your tips for kind of just keeping going and, and rising to these challenges that continue to appear? Mm -hmm. um, I was just thinking kind of, it's a tradition in our family. Every Boxing Day, we go to the Panto. My son's 27, but we've been going since for 22 years. And um, this will be the first year that we haven't got tickets for the Panto at, at, at um, London Palladium and stuff. And uh, I think we're going to have a go at creating our own, which will be quite hilarious. I can see my husband now as a Panto Dane. Um, so, but um, what are you going to do now um, to continue to rise to these new challenges as we get to the end of what will go down in history as probably one of the strangest years ever in our lifetimes. Yeah, I, I can't believe there's only seven weeks left now that you've said that. I'm a, like, wow. I'm a sad old Joel. I did all my <laughs> in the first lockdown. Oh, my I've had, God. I've had to wait for second lockdown to buy wrapping paper. Oh that made me fire. <laughs> what what a strange world um <laughs> what are we gonna do I'm gonna, well I was really looking forward for this year being the first year that I host Christmas so I don't know if that will happen anymore because I've got 
a big family and who knows what the rules will be by Christmas. But I think, like, beyond that, I think um, we're still going to push forward, like, in trying to connect with young people, particularly from Barkley and Dagenham, because we can do that online. So we have someone doing some work experience with us starting next week, um, which is really awesome because we're actually just going to start get going with the marketing and promoting of um, the festival for next year because submissions open in January. So um, during during this year's festival, we employed a really amazing marketing manager and it just changed my life. So we're going to um, employ her again to push out the festival. I think someone said it earlier, it, it was a really strange time this year that when you had lots of really good news, you had to be quite sensitive of how you put it out. Yeah. Um, but I think the world has kind of got used to this new normal at the moment that I feel a bit a bit easier putting things out as normal um but you've still got to think about all those things how you're putting out what's your message um things like that but we're just gonna push on um to to get the submissions open in January so we need to start promoting now um and taking on some work experience um online which means we can actually really take on more people more often and and help them out so I think that's pretty yeah, awesome. And great. And you're going to take part in Kickstart as well. Yeah. Um, which is, we're really excited about. And, 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 yeah, that'd be really exciting. How about you, Kemi and um, Madge? I'm embracing home working for the time being, even though we do hope to have an art studio near home next year. And connecting with our peers, sharing work and best practice, and reaching out because we're new leads and new business all the time, so kind of keeping developing. And also trying to be determined and resilient because you can't be complacent, your business will survive. It's new and different challenges. We've never been through this before. So just constantly keeping your eyes open, trying to change and adapt. Brilliant. How about you, Kemi? How are you going to rise to the new challenges that are ongoing? How I'm going to rise to those new challenges is by embracing everything that I know to do about um, embracing digital technology. Um, this was not something that I, I ever wanted to do in the first place in terms of digital technology. But now that I realize that it's a it's a must, um, I'm embracing it. I'm learning more about it each day. And I've been able to use it to do to function as a business. Um, as explained earlier, a lot of the, the, the workshops or classes I do have been face to face. But now I'm beginning to realize that I have to take my, my workshops online. Um, and it's it's all about adapting and to change, um, and it, it's probably the new the new the new normal now how to to use digital technology to move forward in everything that we do, and I'm embracing that. Brilliant. Um, this industry, arts, culture, creativity, completely decimated um, and really been badly hit. What would you like to see to ensure survival other than funding? What would you like to see other than money? I think just, I, I, and not just the funding side of things, but more support from government, schools, colleges, universities, stuff like that to make um young people in particular feel still confident in in that career choice or doing arts and culture um i also think um kind of more things to help 
um not just in terms of money but in terms of helping some creatives creatives adapt at this time so whether it's you know helping them with risk assessments or kind of informing smaller companies or smaller filmmakers about the insurance that that is now available so that you can go and film um that's only really knowledge uh, only really knowledgeable to big corporations and big companies and big studios um which means indies and 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 smaller filmmakers I get I don't don't know where they stand so I think it's kind of more information needs to be readily available um as well as more support for people's mental health and well-being the film and tv charity have a really good hotline um so maybe it's about pushing that further so it's more people in the arts and culture not just film and tv um so definitely you know it's a tough time and maybe some people just need some reassurance i mean for me my my concern was always that the um the big pots of funding were always going to go to keep like the national theater going and all of those um, mm-hmm. and i'm not saying they're not vital but there is also a place for local organizations exactly. and, and local creative businesses kemi what are your thoughts on that um, I, I totally agree with that. I, I believe that they should start supporting some of the more smaller organisations. Um, I, I think that's been something that I've been very passionate about and that's always been on my heart because we can't survive if we if we don't have some form of help. Um, and I, I think that goes for anything on a grassroots level that um, there needs to be some form of cash injection and, and support that we do still keep a form of normalcy going and and we can only do that if we have the kind of um support that we that we can that we can get um it's very easy to be overlooked um because we're we're the ones on on that grassroots level that reach out to to other bigger organizations so we we i i think that is a way to move forward really that we get the support that we need because without it we can't survive Mm. how about you Madge because you work with lots of artists don't you like individual artists and very much on the Etsy scene as I call it (laughs) well I think artists and local people really need to connect in order to build strong communities so Artists can engage with their local creative people and places funds like Creative Barton in Dagenham, Avering Changing or Basildon, or if they have another one in their area. And if they engage with them, they'll find out about opportunities to develop their own art, but also get more involved in the art within the community. And I think also when arts venues can reopen, we all need to support them by putting bums on seats and making their performances and events financially viable. So as soon as spaces do open by supporting them in that, uh, yeah, cool. I think Studio Three Arts are still going ahead with a panto. It'll be socially distanced and stuff, but well, they're still going to try try and go ahead with with that. It's going to be at Eastbury Manor. I know they're looking at or whether they're has to be streamed online and stuff. But um, it's really crucial. I think you're right. You know, bums on seats. Using I made a commitment that anything else I bought now, other than me being pious and saying I did most of my Christmas shopping in lockdown, but now that anything. Um, Anything that I buy, I'm going to try and use like a local business. In fact, I bought one of my best friend's birthday presents from a local business in a Brennan and Birch print. So she was very delighted with it. Um, So um, 
a kind of, you know, arts and culture for me. I've been a school governor for many, many years um, and I've worked with parents for a long time in different guises. And years ago, it was always my experience that any of the young people who showed real talent for anything creative, their parents were very much steering them towards an academic career and that you could do that as a hobby and all of that sort of, you know, conversations that parents have with their children. And it struck me over the last three to four years that I'd seen real positive change where parents were starting to understand that you know, if your daughter or your son wants to be a dancer, that's actually a career pathway and not something they should just do on a Saturday morning or to keep fit. And I'm really concerned now that parents might be trying to talk their young people out of careers in your industries. Um, what would you say to young people about this and their parents about the future of creative industries and why you should still consider that as a career? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been I've gone through this quite a lot because, like I said, I was working as a teacher um, at, at a college that was all for film. So it's a film college, brand new college called London Screen Academy. So you have a lot of students from all different backgrounds from all over London, some outside of London to go to this college um, as something really vocational and something that they're really passionate about. And I think watching the industry really stall until they had made everything COVID safe and had enough insurance to underwrite um, their productions and stuff like that, um, I think it really made some parents quite anxious, made students quite anxious because one of the biggest reasons they're doing a vocational skill um, course and, and, you know, something creative because they didn't want to go to university. I think they wanted to go straight into the industry. Um, and I think, you know, the industry still will still be be operating, but it might look slightly differently. So it might not be as many films filming or it might be smaller crews. So there might not be as many jobs. But one thing about the film and TV industry is that we all need it we all love it we all watch it the consumption is so huge that even if it's a little bit slow right now and even if it's a little bit slow for a little while it will um, pick up again and a lot of the big um, films that were filmed um, during this time made it happen so I don't want students especially the ones that I was teaching to feel completely discouraged and like there's no industry anymore there definitely is I think um, if they're still passionate about it there's lots of things that they can do in the meantime they can write they can develop ideas they can shoot stuff over zoom and in different ways and in virtual reality and all these kind of things with minimal um, people the best film projects that have come out of this time have adapted and so can they and I think parents need to understand that the creative arts is always going to be subject to lots of different input from the world um, and this is unfortunately just one of them but you know they'll they'll get through it and and jobs will become available again. Fantastic how about you Kimmy I know you did a couple of you did a couple of radio interviews about kind of the future of sewing. Was that yeah. last year 
this year I've forgotten it's been it was, one of the um, it was about <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it was about a year and a half ago actually I, I did that on the Jeremy yeah on the Jeremy Vine show and it was sewing versus um surgery which was quite an interesting one actually and um what was quite um interesting was there had been a conversation about the fact that um, a lot of the young medical students needed to have skills like sewing or something creative because in terms of their hand-eye coordination they had lost those skills and um, when I was brought onto the program it was basically to to get them to take up all these creative skills and, and get their, their wrists and the dexterity in their hands going but back to your question I, I believe when you're passionate about something, there's really nothing that can stop that individual from doing or becoming what they want to become. Because when you're, especially if you're gifted or you're talented, um, and you and and it's within the creative um, industry, it's really hard for you to do anything other than being creative because it, it's you. And and in, as an encouragement to parents, um, what, one of the things my parents um, always insisted because they were like oh no we, we don't want you to be a fine artist it's going to take forever for you to make a living and it, there's always that worry I think every generation has had to deal with this but one of the the advices that I've I've given that my parents gave me was always have something else you can fall back on so in as much as I'm a creative I, I, I went ahead and got my skills to become a teacher and a lot of creatives that I know are doing other jobs just like what Joey Joe, Joey said that at the end of the day you can become a writer there's just so much within that industry or as a creative that you can evolve into. You don't have to be limited to just one particular thing. And most creatives are very good at multitasking and multi-gifted, multi-skilled. So I think for parents who might be worried, this is just to me a little blip in the in the history of time. And this is going to blow over at some point and everyone's going to hopefully look at this as part of history and they're going to evolve out of this some people are going to have fantastic ideas and inventions but that's what makes us human that in situations like this when you have you know as they say when you have lemons you make lemonade so people are going to evolve from this and become better hopefully yeah. I'm sure there's bound to be a blockbuster come out about Covid if not next year the year after <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was thinking Joel about what you were saying about films I was absolutely devastated that the, that Bond was put back till yeah. April next year from November I was so looking forward to it in, in a year of no holidays I was looking forward to seeing the latest Bond but there we go how about, you, <laughs> how about you Madge after 20 years in the industry is that what your parents wanted for you to you to be an artist oh my, I wanted to be a window dresser my mum wanted me to be a bank manager or you know bank teller so we had a split from day one <laughs> but I went to fashion <laughs> college um, and I would say always follow your dreams because if you look for a safe career you might make money but you might not you won't be happy so you need to look for the opportunities to make your heart sing and don't be disheartened if it takes a long time because the industry has always been tough and now even more so but you just got to decide what you want and give it your best shot and I think people have to pursue what they want to do also the creative sector is full of individuality and there's a lot of other industries where robots could be taking over jobs but artists mm -hmm. and creators are unique and we've got a lot to offer so people have to believe in themselves and as Kemi said have a sideline that pays the bills if necessary but set the bar high and just aim for the career that you want 
and I think you know parents and, and children thinking about this as a career it, it doesn't stop it being viable it just means you've got to be determined yeah fantastic really really good really really helpful so we're going to wrap up in 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 a few minutes but um and thank you all for joining us um and but before we close it are there any things you want to tell us about to help with your big dreams? What can what can we do to rally the sector, rally kinds of Barking and Dagenham? What do you even need help with or want to promote? Um, what's what's the big the the, the big wish? Uh, okay. So obviously there's been some huge news about the Dagenham Studios, which has been a long time coming. Um, I'm really excited about it. And I think one of the things that I want to do going forward, working with the council and stuff like that, is making sure our local people don't miss out on any opportunities that that studio could bring. So in the future, probably next year, I would just need a lot of help getting lots of training schemes and workshops and talks and stuff about the industry just out to more people in the borough particularly obviously it can go beyond that but i think um i want the borough to to know all about film by the time um the studios come so that they can really take advantage of of it and hopefully see what i've been able to do as someone from the borough who also didn't know anything about the industry and didn't know anyone in the industry and did it all myself so that if I can do it they can do it too. Brilliant and you're speaking as what in the Women's Empowerment Awards this year? Uh, the Businesswoman of the Year. (laughs) (laughs) Over to the previous winner in Keme. (laughs) Congratulations Joelle. (laughs) (laughs) So I I, I was fortunate to to win that in 2017 and I've not looked back. Amazing. And I was on the panel I was on the panel then. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think my sort of um help with with, with my big dream is um um just like what Joy Lee said that the beauty about having the studio that you know the big film studio is that local people that we benefit from it and that it's not given outside I'm not saying that they can't bring contractors from outside but we look inwards we look you know we we, we sort home at the home front out first um especially me having coming from that fashion industry and I had I worked on a lovely project um, this year called My Mother's Trump Box, which I, I developed and, and did a, a, a documentary film about it on a very, very, very tiny budget. And unlike Joy Lee, that might have film film skills, but I was fortunate to work with a lovely gentleman called Joseph um, J. Bright Studios. And he, he put together an amazing piece of work on an unbelievably tiny budget. But in moving forward, one of the things that I, I found out that was my big dream there was being able to work with with clothes and I I collect a lot of vintage clothing some of the clothes I had to make and I also put in an element of upcycling I'm hoping that that would be a fantastic opportunity for me to work with the film studios because if 
no one has actually quite noticed that this year's like 2020s fashion just went out of the window. Nobody mm-hmm. was really into what's the latest thing. And people were just recycling what they had. And maybe in a way that was a good thing to do because we realized that we didn't die if we didn't have the latest fashions or we didn't have the latest clothes. And in as much as I'm somebody who comes from that fashion industry and wants people to make things, but I also want people to rethink about the whole impact of fast fashion on, on, on the environment and how can we reduce that. And it'll be lovely to to work with, you know, more more hopefully when when this is over and even even while still under lockdown to be able to run my workshops and show people how they can upcycle and change things around from old curtains and um you you know just upcycle reduce the textile waste because it's one of the largest pollutants um so I'm, i'm hoping to 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 see that evolve and and also do some work with the waste management um, team within the borough, which I, I've been able to make some very good contacts there during lockdown. And uh, hopefully you'll see more of me through them. Fantastic. And Madge, finally over to you. So at the moment, we're crowdfunding the printing of our art book, which is going to be called The Thing About Artists. And it's going to have a series of exhibitions, including one of the three sixes, I think Karen will tell you about in a moment. Um, we'd really love your help to either share this campaign or even a small pledge. What we'll be doing with the books, as well as a series of exhibitions, we'll be giving out the books to schools, to libraries, and also to the artists themselves to use as a tool to show, to show and share their work with other people. And if you are interested in seeing more about the campaign, you can go to www.spacelive.com forward slash the thing about artists to see a little bit more. And any, any shares on social media, we'd really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, great. I'm really excited. It's going to feature some artists as well that I'm I'm, I'm particularly passionate about. I, I know um, our Jimmy Lee is, uh, is having a page in the book, which is, which is absolutely fantastic. I guess I'm going to finish with my big dream. My big dream is to finish building 360. Well, when I say finish, I actually mean start. <laughs> so we were, we're just about to go to tender for the contractor to finally get the space built. And um, it just feels like such a long process. But I'm so delighted to be bringing kind of our first creative workspace, um, which will not look like anything the Beck has ever done before. It's been designed by the most fabulous architects in Istanbul, um, who won the Turner Prize for building workspace in 2015, um, and the design and the layout in a completely round building, and um, I think British Library, reading room, socially distanced, of course, now. Um, and that's been quite a challenge to have to adapt the design to a, a new post-COVID world, but I'm really excited. And uh, uh, yeah, if, if I have to get the cement mixer out myself, it's finishing next April if it kills me, which it probably will. Um, but thank you all for joining us. Um, and it's been fabulous. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to start saying season's greeting, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, because I keep in touch with you all, all the yeah. time. But I do I do hope that you all get everything you wish for. And just to say that you've all been amazing in supporting kind of the Beck and businesses across this whole pandemic. And we seriously couldn't have done it without you all. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen.